we conclude this morning a sermon series that we have been doing on Isaiah 53, which is the suffering servant passage. It is a text that was prophesied from the prophet Isaiah 800 years before Jesus. And sometimes when we look at the suffering servant passage, it's almost as if it was written in the past as somebody looking back at what Jesus went through. And it's just such an amazing text, and we've been working our way through it. So if you brought your Bibles with you, or if you have your cell phones or an advice you'd like to turn to either BibleGateway.com or on the U version of the Bible app, I invite you to look at Isaiah 53, verse 12. We're just looking at the final verse in this passage. I first would like to tell you, however, as we get ourselves centered in thinking about this message and this scripture, about a friend of mine. I've mentioned him before. His name is Ken, and he lives in Syracuse, New York. He and his wife, Marsha, are awesome Christians. They are very faithful, and both of them grew up in Christian homes. And when they got married, they were not able to have children. Because they were not able to have children, they decided to dedicate their life to caring for animals. In particular, they take in rescue dogs. What they also decided to do is, rather than take the cute little cuddly puppy that everybody else wants, they take the dog that nobody else would take. And they see it as their ministry, part of who they are as Christians, to make sure an animal that otherwise would be destroyed because there's something that keeps it from being a dog that would be adopted to be ones that they would take themselves. Eleven years ago, oh, and the other thing is they always take them in pairs. And the reason they've always taken them in pairs is they always thought it was good for the dogs to have a buddy to, to, to live together. And so 11 years ago, it came time for their most recent animals, and they got a four-year-old bulldog named Chance. Chance was deaf and liked to do two things, sleep and eat. They also got a German shepherd puppy, six-month-old puppy named Shana. Now, the little pup I had actually talked about a, a while back. It's the dog that had been the street dog and, and picked up on the streets of, of Baltimore because the people had used it as a bait dog for dog fighting, and the dog had been um, abused. It had had its tail ripped off. It had all kinds of scars. In fact, it took them three weeks to catch the dog because it was so fearful of people, and eventually it got picked up, it got taken to a shelter, and that's where my friend went to, to get it, he and his wife, and I remember telling the story of how the dog thought that the shelter was such a good deal, it was hard to even get the dog now out of the shelter. Well, my friend Ken and his wife ended up bringing the dog home. Well, the puppy finally adapted to home, and you know what puppies do once they get comfortable, it wanted to play, and the bulldog was annoyed, and so now they had a problem that they had a deaf bulldog that was four years old, annoyed by this little puppy that was constantly picking at it and trying to play. Now, if that didn't make their life complicated enough, Ken suffered an appendicitis, and his appendix ruptured, and he ended up being in the hospital for a week, and he almost died. And now Marcia was at home with these two dogs and all this chaos, worried about her husband, and thinking, you know, life just doesn't get any worse. Like, what is going to happen next? However, as a woman of faith, she asked the question that we all need to ask, what's great about this? What's God doing in the midst of this? Like, I've got all this chaos and all this stuff going on. Certainly, 
the God that I serve is showing that there's something good that come out of this. And now being overwhelmed, she realized that she had an opportunity to do something that she couldn't have done because Ken, had he not got sick, would never have gone along with what she did next, but she decided to find a home for the four-year-old bulldog. So she said, you know, God wants us to move forward in this situation, so she made some contacts, and she found a home in Pennsylvania for the bulldog to go to. It was a great home. It was out in the country, beautiful backyard. Now the dog was in a little bit warmer climate, but something else she discovered the home that took this deaf bulldog had two deaf children. And those kids were super excited to get the dog. Now, it's 11 years later, and that dog is still alive, and so is the, so is the German Shepherd. When Ken got out of the hospital, discovered that one of his dogs was not there anymore, he decided that the German Shepherd should become a therapy dog for helping in hospitals. And so what he did is he, he was a veteran. He went to a program that was offered in the area for veterans who wanted to train dogs to be, shepherd, to be service dogs, and the dog got trained. And now the dog goes to children's hospitals and colleges and nursing homes. About two years ago, I don't know if any of you noticed, but we had a thing called a pandemic. Any, anybody here notice that? A little virus called COVID came around, and now all of a sudden everything was shut down. And again, Ken and Marsha asked that question, what's great? What's God doing in the midst of all of this? And Ken realized that he could start taking his dog out for walks in the neighborhood and just get to know his neighbors better. Remember, I talked about him. That's the love walk that he does. How do I bless my neighbors? How do I just get to know my neighbors and pray with them? When he had had the dog um, getting prepared to be a service dog, one of the things he did is he also said when they made the vest for it, because the place that, that it was trained to be a service dog, you get to choose what you want to put on the vest. He made sure they put a cross on the vest. And that way, when people see the cross, he can have a conversation, and he can also share his faith. But now, because of COVID, he's walking in the neighborhood. One day, he thought to himself, maybe my neighbors don't really like me coming around. So he started asking, and people said, no, in fact, I love having you come and visit, especially one neighbor who was going through chemo. And she said it was the most important thing that she had, this guy just stopping with his dog every day so that she could see the dog. Faith is how we choose to understand what's great about this, folks. Do you hear that loud and clear? Do we see a situation as overwhelming and Satan's one and you can't believe the chaos that I'm going through? Or are we able to take the step back and say, God, what's great about this? Or as a friend of mine likes to say, wow, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do with this mess. That's our choice. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a person of faith. Our final text in Isaiah's suffering servant passage says these words. Verse 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see what you're doing in the midst of tough times. Help us when things seem crazy around us, and we just don't understand where you are, to realize that just as in the life of Jesus, 
you did something amazing through awful circumstances, so too in our lives that that's what you're doing. Help us to have eyes of faith to live our lives, to not rely on the negative thoughts that go through our minds, but to trust that you are in control because you are God. You're the sovereign creator of this universe, and it's in you we trust. Amen. First thing I hope we hear from that Bible verse as we go through it is what's great isn't always obvious. Do I get an amen? Listen to that. What's great is not always obvious. We're told in our text that he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death. Now, poured out his soul to death, Isaiah is telling us, results in his getting his portion of the spoils. That's crazy. That's not how life works, or at least how we think life works. The result of getting the spoils means one gets the prize. Now, we understand that. We, we even have a saying for that. To the victor goes the spoils. See, that's, that's our human way of looking at things. Work hard, kids. Get straight A's. You'll make National Honor Society, and you'll get lots of scholarships to go to college. That's, how, that's our human experience. Nothing wrong with that. Work hard at your sport or at your craft, and you will succeed. Absolutely, we get that. But in the tough and difficult things in life, the Scripture tells us that God brings about something amazing, and even with Jesus, the death brought about the spoils because in the death of Jesus, something amazing happened. Jesus died for the sins of the world. And therefore, what happens is even though human beings are looking at it, and they go in and they're present on the day in which he's crucified, and they're saying, oh my goodness, the guy's been defeated. The Romans are around celebrating because this guy's not going to bother us anymore. And Satan is laughing and saying, I finally did it. I got rid of the Son of God. Because that's what happens when we look at things from human or from the wrong perspective. But the Scripture teaches us, oh no, that's not at all what happened. It was because of his death that he gets the spoils. He gets the award. He gets a church and redemption. And we're made free. Faith asks us to see God's victory even when it's not obvious. Because we get it when victory is obvious. We get it when, you know, we go and cheer for our kids and they come in first. We get it. Hey, rah, rah, let's all go out for pizza. Faith requires that we see the times in life when we don't see the victory and we trust that God is sovereign and in control. Jesus arrives into Jerusalem. What was he riding? A donkey. His friends were waiting and couldn't wait till he gets there and in comes a dude on a donkey. And they're going, I guess that's Jesus. And now the throngs are around and people are yelling and screaming and people are saying, okay, I get it. Here comes our victor. But throughout the week, those same crowds that screaming for him, saying, wow, this is a guy I love, turn against him and say, crucify him. And anybody watching it says, well, obviously this revolution hasn't worked. Obviously this new Messiah who somehow thinks that he's going to save us from the Roman Empire has gone wrong. And yet in the midst of all of that, the scripture teaches that somehow that pain, that suffering, that rejection 
that having people desert him, having a friend betray him, him ending up being nailed on the cross ends up being the very thing that brings about our victory. You see, because our brains don't work that way and that's not our human experience, we would not have seen that had we been there that day. But the same is true in our life. When we're going through those tough times, it's hard for us to focus on what's good. Where's God working? How's God going to show up and surprise me in the midst of this pain? What are you going through that's tough? What are friends or family members that you know going through that's tough? Are you able to step back and say, my faith requires me to realize that God's doing something amazing and I can't wait to see how God redeems this situation? Remember, when you and I go through tough things, Satan's laughing. That's his job. I realized this week as I was getting ready for this, Satan has a job description. Did you know that? How many of you have jobs? Anybody, have ever, anybody ever be employed? Ever have a job description for your job? You'll sit down, here's the things you got to do. Satan's got a very simple job description. Tell people they're losing when they're winning. Hear that? Tell people they're losing when they're winning. Deceive Christians. Make us think that, oh my goodness, I need to give up. This is awful. I can't believe how bad life has turned. Remember Ken and his appendicitis and his deaf dog and his abused German shepherd puppy? That didn't look like a great day for my friend and his wife, did it? And if we take those moments in our life and we let Satan laugh into our ears and we start feeling as if, you know, I've lost it all, there's nothing that can good come out of it, we're missing what God's doing. Deaf children got their perfect pet. An abused little shepherd puppy is now available for a life of ministry. And for the last 11 years, a dog's had a ministry, and another dog has had a ministry of helping two deaf children raise a dog that they feel good about because it's like them, and they know that life is okay. God's victory isn't always obvious, is it? It takes eyes of faith. It requires us to ask the question, when life is difficult or things aren't going well, what's great about this? What's God doing in the midst of this? Because that's how God brings about victory. Our Savior brings about victory on a cross, not by riding into Jerusalem on a chariot and throwing out all the powers. And the same thing is true in our lives. But here's something else we learn for our text. If we choose to live by faith and we choose to say, I'm going to trust that God's in control and God's doing something amazing, don't expect everybody else to see it. Hear that loud and clear. Don't expect that everybody else is going to see things through eyes of faith because others won't see what's great. Listen to the next part of verse 12. He, Jesus, was numbered with the transgressors. Don't miss that line. Jesus was numbered with the criminals. As humans, we do this. We number people all the time. That means we divide them into categories. Got it? Category over here, executives. Category over here, blue-collar workers. Category over here, winners. Category over here, losers. Women, we divide women. Working mom, stay-at-home mom. We do this stuff all the time. We divide people into our categories. Like, for instance, 
we divide people as to what part of the country they're from. We heard about that earlier. Californians, awesome. New Englanders, do we have any New Englanders here? Any New Englanders? We do it, we divide. Southerners, do we have anybody from the South? Anybody who's Southerners? I feel sorry for all of you. You know what? The best people come from North Dakota. <laughs> That's what we do. We divide. People divided in Jesus' day, too. Criminals, non-criminals. The good, the bad. And in the non-criminals, the, the good people, the, the good, fine people of society, they said, That's not Jesus. Then they take the criminals. That's what our text says. He was divided and put in the category with the criminals. If people get it wrong so often, and people couldn't even figure out what category to put Jesus in, why do you and I give so much attention to what other people say? Hear me loud and clear? Others won't see what's great, but how many times do we go through life letting other people rent space in our heads while they're getting it all wrong because somehow we think we have to convince them which we're never going to be able to do and somehow we accept the negative things that get said about us or negative things that get said about other things and the text reminds us human beings get it wrong. Even Shana, the little rescued German shepherd, failed his test. When Ken did all the training and took him back for the time in which his dog was supposed to become a service dog and supposed to have this great life of ministry, the dog failed. And the last words were, really sorry, your dog's not going to make it. Now, Ken could have been like a lot of people saying, well, it's unfortunate, that was a nice dream and wish that that would have happened, but instead he said he knew that God had a purpose for his dog, so he asked for a second test. And he went and talked to the people who had done the test and said, you know, this building where the test was done in is actually a building that the dog's been here for other purposes. I'd like to try to go to a building where my dog's never been. Could we do the test there? They agreed. They retested the dog. The dog passed. The dog has had a life of ministry. If Ken didn't listen to what other people said about his dog, and people get things wrong about Jesus, again, why do we give so much power to other people and think that somehow they're going to figure it out or affirm when we're making a godly decision that everybody else has to agree with us? It's not going to happen. We're invited to learn to live lives of faith and trust what God's doing. As a young pastor, I was struggling with someone and I just couldn't figure out how to convince this person what we were doing was okay. And finally, a friend of mine pulled me aside and he said, you know, Stan, they crucified Jesus, didn't they? What makes you think you're so much better? If they got it wrong about our Savior, what makes you and me think that everybody else is going to have the right judgment or right perspective on the things that we're saying, you know, God is in this and look what, look what God's doing. Finally, we discover one last thing. God is great, and he's always going to surprise us. Do you hear that? God's great, and he's always going to surprise you. When you and I go through those moments in life when, when we're like, how in the world did I get in this situation? I'm not saying this is victory. I'm saying this is defeat. And we can say what's great about this or, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do when you show up and show how you're going to bring something great out of this circumstance. We're realizing and acknowledging the greatness of God. 
and realizing that the Lord's going to surprise you and me time and time again. The text ends with these words, yet he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. I love that one little word, yet. People thought that Jesus was a criminal, yet God was doing something else. He was forgiving the sins of the world. People thought they understood God, yet God's ways weren't understood by them. Do you hear me? Yet. We think that life has given us a raw deal, yet we just haven't seen what God's done and what he's going to bring out of it. We face a circumstance that we think, how in the world did I get in this mess? Yet we still haven't seen the deliverance that the Lord is going to bring. Many times we struggle with what God's doing because God's different from us. We try to somehow think that if I could just get it figured out, guess what? We're not going to get it figured out. Scripture teaches time and time again that to understand uh, who God is is to realize that God is totally different than you and me. The Apostle Paul reflects on what Jesus did on the cross and what we think about this Holy Week as we think about the rejection of our Savior and we think about the humiliation that he went through and we think about people spitting on him and the crown of thorns that's put on his head and he's dragged through the streets with a heavy cross. And it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever because we as as Christians, we look at that and go, "Why why would God do that? Because that's not our human experience. And Paul writes in Philippians, and he uses the Greek word kenosis, which means emptying. And it says, you want to understand God? Well, first of all, you can't understand God. But Jesus emptied himself to become one of us. Literally, that means, as a professor of mine one time told us in a class, that means if you wanted to save grasshoppers, you would choose to become a grasshopper. You would empty yourself of everything you have to help something totally different. The problem is we don't go through life emptying ourselves. We do the opposite. We try to fill ourselves. We try to make ourselves look better. We try to do the things to improve our lives. So this idea of God working in a way that we can't understand is because, guess what, folks? God works in a way we can't understand. And a few chapters later in Isaiah 55, Isaiah the prophet is just reflecting on God's work in this world and in our lives. And he says, you know, God's ways are so far above our ways. The reason we don't understand what God's doing is God is bringing great out of bad things is because his ways are as high above ours as the heavens are above the earth. So too are God's ways above our ways and God's word above our words. So give ourselves a break. When we don't understand what God's doing, we simply need to trust. Far too often we go through life and think the important thing is to figure it out. The important thing is not to figure it out. The important thing is to trust. The important thing is to realize that God's work and God's miracle comes out of the worst situations. We wouldn't have done it that way, but that's how God brings victory into our fallen world because we live in a fallen world. And you and I far too many times go through life and think that the world needs to change for God to work, and that's just not the case. God's victory comes into the world that we live in, and that's why victory is not going to always look the way that we want victory to look at, because God is doing something in the midst of the awfulness of this world. I know I call this my dog sermon. 
because Regina and I recently had somebody tell us to watch the movie Rescued by Ruby. Has anybody seen that? It's a Netflix movie. I highly recommend it. Not only is it an interesting dog movie, which I think the reason it got suggested to us was because of the name Ruby, because of our granddaughter. But it's a story about, that is a true story from Rhode Island, and I will not spoil the movie for you. You can get it free if you have Netflix. It's a police officer who wants to have a police dog. And he gets his police dog from a dog pound, from a dog shelter. And then he takes the dog, and he has the dog trained. And in the training of the police dogs, one of the things that they teach the officers is trust your canine. They say there's going to be times in your life when you're going to be in the midst of something, and your dog has a sense of smell that you don't have, like 2,000 times better able to smell. So you need to learn as an officer to trust your dog. When the movie was over, I turned to Regina. I said, what did you think? She goes, I love that movie. I love that message. Trust your canine. Well, this is not a sermon about trusting our dogs, but you know what? The same thing is true with God. Trust your God. Trust God. The officer doesn't have to have it figured out. The officer has to trust his canine. We don't have to have it figured out. We have to trust our God. God is doing a work that we will not see and we will not understand and it will not make sense to us. If we had been present in Jerusalem when they were crucifying our Savior, we could never have imagined that that was victory, but that was victory. That was a way in which our, our God was redeeming the world. And our invitation is to say, we will not understand it all, but we will trust in the one who's doing beyond anything we can comprehend. Do I get an amen? That is the Savior that we serve. I've shared different times some of the experiences of what it was like during the time when Regina and I had my mom and dad living with us. It was about three or four years that my mom had had a stroke and my dad had Alzheimer's. And they'd been out for a visit and my mom had a worse stroke in the middle of the visit and she ended up living with us for a while until we realized it just didn't work to have both of them in our home and God had provided where we lived at the time a nursing home that was a wonderful nursing home. In fact, it was a top-rated nursing home in Massachusetts at the time where my mom was able to get care about two miles from our house. And Regina ended up quitting her job so that she could stay home and, and help. And as a pastor, I had a lot of opportunity to be able to get up and see my mom each day. My dad had Alzheimer's who was still living with us. And we had it worked out with the nursing home that every day we would get to take my dad up to the nursing home to be with my mom. Now, you have to understand, in our home, we didn't have a mom and dad. We had a mummy and a daddy, and that's who they still are, and that's what they became known as. We always called them mummy and daddy. And so every day, we pretty much did the same thing, and Monday looked like Tuesday, like Thursday, like Friday, and you get, kind of get through all of that. And my dad's dementia, however, was getting progressively worse but my mom was in a pretty stable state, and so pretty much every day things were about the same when we would go to visit. And one day we visited, and it was not much different than anything else, and it was time for me to pick up my dad. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
We came home and we had dinner. And my dad said something that he'd never said before. And I checked and asked if anything had happened that day and nothing had happened unusual. It was just a normal day. And he said, I want to go visit mommy. I remember kind of being annoyed, to be honest. You know, it's like, I had a busy day. You've been up there all day, but absolutely. So about 7 o'clock, my dad and I got in the car, drove up to St. Camillus, and we sat in her room for a couple hours. It was 9 o'clock now, time to leave. And my dad went over and had a prayer with my mom and kissed her on the cheek, and we left. And about an hour later, I got a call from the nursing home. My mom had passed away. God brings victory in our bad situations. God's doing something that we can't comprehend. In the moments in which we think that we are feeling like Jesus on the cross, do we see God's victory or do we see defeat? Because the Savior that you and I serve brings victory in those situations. What we're invited to do is say, what's great about this? When we go through awful situations is to look and trust and say, Lord, I may not see it, but help me see it or help me trust or help me realize that you're God and I'm not and i got to trust you because you're God and you know what's going on and it doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm telling you, during those last few years with my mom and dad, there was a lot of stuff that didn't make sense. And there's times in our life when we want understanding and we're not going to get it, folks. We're sitting on this side of glory. And the Bible says we're looking through a, a glass and it's a smudged up glass that we can't see and there's a bunch of mud spattered all over it. And we want to know everything on the other side and we're asked to trust. Because this week is about learning what the scripture teaches us was the cross Satan's victory or was it God's victory? Was the rejection of our Savior something that Satan laughed at and we get to listen to everybody else when they tell us, you don't understand, I can't believe how bad your life is now. Man, you must have a curse on you. Or do we see Jesus, our Savior, who brings victory out of every single thing we go through? As we close our service and our worship team leads us in our last song, I invite you, if there's anything you're going through in your life that you'd like to have prayer for, there's things that we're troubled with and things that make no sense and we're not going to give you the answer on why it's happening. But I can tell you this, if you'd like to come forward, we'll have a few people up here at the front of the altar and we'd like to have a prayer for you that we could see what God's doing that's great when we feel like we're being nailed to a cross that we could see God's victory in the midst of all of the stuff that happens in this fallen world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to what you're doing and not what we're seeing. Help us even as we enter into Holy Week, a time that others thought that our Savior was defeated, that we know that you saw victory. At the times in our life when things don't make sense, help us trust in you because we don't see what's on the other side of that glass and we are not necessarily going to see how you're going to redeem those situations, but help us trust in you. If there's any of us here this morning that are struggling with something that makes no sense, help us be vulnerable and just ask for prayer. Not that we'd have the answer, but that we could trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.